Welcome to the podcast of Reformed Presbyterian Church of Beaumont, Texas. We are located at 4210 Crow Road in Beaumont. You can find us on the web at rpcbmt.org. You can join us Sundays at 11 a.m. or 5 p.m. for worship. In this podcast, we will be dealing with John chapter 21. It is the last chapter of the book of John, and it's our last sermon in the book of John. We will undertake the book of Acts next. But as we look at this chapter, you will see that the love that Jesus has in his kingdom is so unlike the love of this world. In this world, if there are those who fail us, there are those who harm us, we often want to turn our back on them, have nothing to do with them. But in Christ's kingdom, he is the one who distributes love, and he does so for his people unfailingly, even to failing disciples. He comes to them, he reveals himself to them, he restores them, and he gives them purpose by commissioning them yet again. May the Lord bless you as you listen to this sermon. Chapter 21. John chapter 21, and unless something happens, which we are prone to do, uh, this will be our final sermon in John, we think, I think. John 21, we'll take the entire chapter. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we also will come with you. They went out and got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast, and then they were not able to haul in the net because of the great number of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Peter heard it, that is, that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and a fish placed on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went and drew the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, and dine. None of the disciples ventured to question him. Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. 
and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, When you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this, he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore, the saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is testifying to these things and who wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there were also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. One of the horrors of our world one of the absolute most devastating things that we find in our day is that we have such bad definitions of love that we we see love on TV or in magazines or read it in books that so and so were in love and they just fell out of love right And because of that, and because of our own sinful hearts and the own ways that we deal with others and we we have been dealt with, we often think that God's love is like our love. And that is tragic. In our text, we come 
again to Christ after His resurrection. And Jesus comes to His disciples full of love for them. Full of grace to them. And we see that it is in spite of those disciples that He comes. Definitely not because of them. And as we look at this text then, you you sort of go, well, what's John doing here? Because at the end of chapter 20, he says, These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that in believing you might have life in His name. And it sort of seems... As if that's where it should end. But. But you would leave a question unanswered. If John ended there. You would say. Well what of Peter? What, what of James and John. Who all rejected him. And the hour of his suffering. Can someone like that. Find grace. And the answer is. Yes, because grace comes to them. And we see that in our text. There are three points that we take up for these disciples. We see Jesus' gracious revelation. That's the revelation of himself. We see his gracious restoration. It's not just Peter that's restored. Uh, Peter's primary among them because of the nature of his denial. But it's not just Peter who needs to be restored. And then we see his gracious commission. So his gracious revelation, his gracious restoration, and his gracious commission to these disciples. So what about this revelation? It says, after these things, Jesus manifested himself. Again, or revealed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias. And he manifested himself in this way. And then you get a list, don't you? Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel, and James and John, those are the sons of Zebedee, and two others. So seven of the eleven disciples are here. In this scene, I believe all of the the rest of the 11 are there too. Because they had been told to go to Galilee where Christ would come and reveal himself to them. You told that back in Matthew 28. And so seven of the 11 are taking part in this scene. They're here and they are going fishing, right? You, You see Simon Peter in verse 3. And he says to the rest, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will also come with you. And they went out and got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. And so here you have it, these earliest followers. If you remember, they are the ones who were there from, from the earliest of days. I think the other two, you can't say. I think the other two... Are probably Andrew um, and probably uh, Philip, maybe. But from the earliest days, these are the ones that he had selected. And so they had shared so much of their lives with Christ in these last three years. They had slept beside him. They had talked with him. They had walked with him. They had eaten with him. They had feasted with him. They had been in famine with him. They had spent all 
of their days with him. They had seen him do miraculous things. They, they themselves, by his commission, had gone out and preached and done miraculous things. And they all had run away. And they all had deserted him. And they all watched him on the cross. And they all hid away for fear of the Jews. And gloriously though, they had all had Jesus come and speak peace to them. Right? He had already come to them a couple of other times. And he spoke peace to them. My sacrifice has been accepted. And we don't know what else he had said to them. We do know he had opened their minds to understand how the scriptures connected that he is the Christ. But, but they don't. They don't have an official commission from him yet. But Jesus isn't finished with these men. And there's sort of a tension in their lives. He's come back. He's alive. Now what? Now what? And some have seen, I think wrongly, that with Simon Peter and with these disciples, there's some sort of apostasy Happening here. These men have deserted Jesus. Again, look at this. They're going out fishing, but that's not that's not the picture that as you get apostates don't dive in to the water to get to Jesus when Jesus comes. What's the picture then? Why are they going fishing? Well, I think it's a couple of things. One, it's the providence of God. And he's going to teach them something in this. Two, they gotta eat, right? Judas, who had kept the money bags, has gone off and hung himself. And, well, he tossed the money back at the, at the Pharisees. They, they got nothing. And then you've got those who had been supporting them who are also in this turmoil. So they got to eat. And so they go uh, fishing. And you need to remember something else. It's in Galilee. That Jesus first revealed himself to them. That he came to them to call them and make them his own. It's in Galilee that, that Nathaniel, well, Nathaniel hears and Jesus says to him, Listen, before you were called by Philip, you were under the tree and I saw you. And Jesus is coming to them here because he's not finished with these men. He hasn't taken away his love for him, from them. When, when we face betrayal, when we face, when we face wrong done to us, we often, we often are strongly tempted to harbor grudges and to turn our love into hatred toward people. That's not what Christ is doing here. He's going to reveal himself to them again. And so what more fitting way for Jesus to reveal himself to these men than through the way in which, which he had first called them. To show his love and authority over their lives. Because he had, he had first found them fishing, hadn't he? And so these men know fishing. And they're already feeling the weight of their betrayal. They're excited that Jesus has, has been raised. And now as they feel the weight of their betrayal, they feel the weight of their failure. These men know fishing. They've been doing it for a long time. And they go out all night and they come back in with an empty net. 
And it must be disheartening, right? Uh, as the thing that they know, the thing that they get, right? They didn't get Jesus and the gospel. How many times did he have to say, now listen, I've told you this. Listen again. Let me tell you again. They didn't get it in all its fullness, but they got this. I mean, the first time you see Simon, he's, he's mending his nets. He's been fishing. And you see James and John, they were out fishing and they've had some success. They have hired servants, but they're not overwhelmingly wealthy, but they know fishing. And then this thing that they know, Christ lets them fail in order to remind them that in everything, not just in gospel things, not just in spiritual things, not just in understanding the deep things, in everything they are dependent upon Him. And so He reveals Himself again to them. And so they, they, are, they are disheartened. They are coming in, beat down, defeated. And Jesus calls out to them, and either it was so early they couldn't quite see him or he had hidden himself from their sight just as he has in, in other times. He, he calls out to them, you fellows don't have any fish, do you? And they say, no. You see the shoulders slump. And what does he do? He says, okay, fellas, put it on the other side. Now, either these guys were just that discouraged or they thought, well, maybe he knows a good spot. And maybe the spot's just on the other side. And they cast it in. And they can't even haul it in after that, right? He provides enough fish that they could not haul it in. Apparently, it's because Peter had jumps off the boat, right? Because when they get it to the land, he just goes over there and pulls it in by himself. But for now, it's a, it's a catch so large that they're struggling to get it in. And he provides 153 fish. Now, do you want to know the significance behind 153? So do I. <laughs> There's been a lot of ink spilled over what it means for 153 fish. There are people who have conjectured and people who have written. But I'll tell you what I think that it is. It means that he gives more than enough. It means that He is gracious in His provision. He's provided enough for them to eat on. And He's provided enough for them to have something to make their livelihood on in this moment. 153. But as soon as that net's so heavy that they can't haul it in, John looks over at Peter and he says, It's the Lord. And Peter is gone, isn't he? He jumps into the water. Now, I have no idea why he would put his garment on to jump in the water. We're not going to worry about that. If you want to think on that, go ahead. But, but Peter is not an apostate. He wants to get to Jesus. And so he dives in. And then they get to breakfast. You've already had the last supper. This is the last breakfast. And this is where the restoration takes place, right? It's a glorious when Jesus reveals himself in a glorious way. Put it on the other side, fellas. And they know it's him. 
And they know that He has something for him. They know that He has a word to them. They know that Jesus is what they need because He always provides. And Peter's in. And now they're in. And Jesus is going to restore them. Verse 12. Oh, verse 10. Jesus, just because it's funny. Jesus says to them, Bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Now, it's 153 large fish. They couldn't get it in. And Peter walks over there and he yanks this thing, enlivened, invigorated, that Jesus has given him something. And he yanks this in. And so Jesus gives them these words, Come and dine. Come and dine. You know what table fellowship is. You've had it, right? You've had those times where you have family over or friends over and you sit around the table and you just enjoy the fellowship. You enjoy the company. You enjoy having each other's presence. And Jesus says to these men, who have all betrayed Him, who have all denied Him, who have all scattered, who have all, who have all, who have all sinned against Him. Come and dine. And there must have been some moments of lightness around that meal. Some moments, even if it was dead silence of joy in their hearts that Jesus is here. And that He's asked us to eat with Him. And as they look at each other with that gleam in their eye, as they look at each other with their mouths full, their hearts are full too. But there also had to be some sort of heaviness. Jesus had come and He had spoken to them, peace, all is well, all is right. But if you are like me, And I imagine that you are. And I imagine that we are like them. That deep down inside they had within them. How can I make this right? What can I do, Jesus? I have sinned. And if you are like me and I imagine that you are and we are like them. You think that it's going to take something on your part. And you fail to see that the invitation's already there. Come and dine, he said. There's nothing for you to do. He's already preparing the fish. He's already put the bread on the fire. Come and dine. And we'll talk about the other things later. And so there they are eating and they wrap it up. And Jesus, Jesus then turns to them. And he says to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now the language is just ambiguous enough that we can't nail down 100%. Is he saying, do you love me more than these? The fishing tackle and and the lifestyle to which he may now turn if Christ hadn't come back to him. Do you love me more than these? Maybe. But I don't think that's it. Is he asking in in front of the disciples, do you love me more than you love them? Do you love me more than these? I mean, do you love me more than they love me? think that's it either 
Because he deals with each man on his own. As they are before him. I think he's asking it just as we often read it. Do you love me more than they love me? We, we, often, we often say, well, of course Peter loves him. He flung him in. But Peter's not a foolish person. He loves Jesus more than he loves those men, of course. And that's not the question that he was asking. Does he love him more than they love him? And Peter answers wisely, Lord, you know, right? You know that I love you. And so Jesus tells him something, tend my lambs, feed them, graze them. He's going to ask him two more times. And the questions that he asks are pointed and they are given, well, because Peter denied him three times. And so Peter is being reminded it's, it's as, if, it's as if he's being asked by those standing around the courtyard fire. Weren't you with him? No, 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 no. Do you love me more than these? Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my lamb. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Shepherd my sheep. Pastor them. Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter's hurt. Imagine that. Peter is hurt. Three times he betrayed Christ. Three times he denied him. And Peter is the one who is hurt at the question. Doesn't that make you step back? And yet, we are the exact same. Lord, I've done all of this for you. Why can't you just do this in my life? Lord, I've served you in all of these ways. And yet, I only ask of you to do this for me. I mean, you know that I love you. And we're hurt because we don't have and we don't receive and we don't do the way that others do. And Peter, uh, the Lord says to him, tend my sheep. I have business for you three times, one for each denial. And Peter, Peter, Peter answers him that last time. And he says, Lord, you know all things. He doesn't give him a direct answer. Lord, you know the capacity of my love. You know how much I love you. You know that it's not enough, but you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep or tend my sheep. See, Jesus is drawing out Peter's ultimate affection. Peter, you've said you love me. And yet when when the heat was put to you, when the time came, you wilted. Does that mean that you don't love me? Peter says, of course not. I I still love you. And Peter says, in essence, Lord, I was afraid you wouldn't love me. Remember, Christ is the one who comes to him. Peter's biggest issue is that Peter has been looking at the love of Christ through the love of Peter. His love failed, didn't it? 
He said, Lord, I will never leave you. I, even though all of these fall away, I will not leave you. And when the heat came, he wilted and he expected Jesus' love to be exactly as his. But Jesus' love never fails. But the sad reality is that is exactly how we think of God's love, isn't it? We think of it like our love. That, that, it, that His love will be withheld because of our failure. But His love comes to us in spite of our failure. And as a matter of fact, because of our failure. John has told us this again and again and again. But in that one most revealing place. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in Him will not perish. And so then, so then His love is not like ours. The reality is we fail. He does not. We sin. But He is faithful. And, and you read these verses and you understand that Peter goes on to live a life following Christ. But, but Peter's not sinless from this point. Peter's renewed. Because he knows that Christ's love will never fail. And perhaps you're here this morning and you say, yes, but you don't know the half of what I've done. You don't know my blasphemy, how I take the Lord's name in vain. You don't know the way that I, that I sometimes resent God. You don't know my lust. You don't know what I look at when no one else is around. You don't know where I've been, where my feet have taken me. You don't know my theft. You don't know how I steal from my company so often in not using the time that I've been allotted to work, but using it for myself. You don't know my own covetousness. How I see and want and want and want and am not satisfied. He can't love me. His love doesn't fail. His love's not like yours. His love isn't fickle. He sets his affection on his sheep and he will bring them home. He's not lost one yet. And so Jesus, Jesus has grace for you too. There is more mercy in Him than sin in you. And so this morning, if you're here and you have backslidden, you have walked further than Peter ever walked, you have, you have left Him just as all the others, the, the word to you is come and dine. Come and be restored. Christ has enough for you. And He will provide more than enough. If the three fish on the fire aren't enough, He has 153 more that He gives. Christ is gracious in your restoration. And He says to you, come and eat. And that's not where He leaves you. That's not where He leaves Peter. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Yes. And then he says, follow me. Right? He has a commission for Peter. Peter is not just restored. He's restored with purpose. 
It's not just, okay, your sins are forgiven. Now wander aimlessly. No, your sins are forgiven. Christ has made restitution. Even for that, turn to Him. Come and dine. And now He says, follow me. And that's the same for each of His disciples, isn't it? You're restored for Christ's purpose. Because His, his giftings, His grace, his, his calling is irrevocable. And He will accomplish in each of His disciples that which He has for them. For Peter, it's caring for Christ's sheep until His death. You know that John's going to tell you that He, he has signified here the way in which Christ or which Peter will die. And so Jesus tells him, Peter... When you were younger, you used to be stubborn. You girded yourself and walked wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you. And someone else will bring you where you do not want to go. So then he said to him, follow me. And then Peter turns around, doesn't he? He looks at John and he says, what about him? And Jesus says, Stop worrying about everyone else. Stop looking to what they have or may not have. They may go on like John and not die in the same time frame. They may live a long and prosperous life. They may have more than you have. You don't worry about them. You follow me. And that's what he's going to say to each of them. That's what he says to us. You follow me. I've given you your lot. It's not their lot, but I am gracious and I will keep you. And so perhaps this morning you're here and you find yourself neck deep in sin and in doubt. And, and you find yourself afraid because, because you've been thinking the, the wrong way. What do I have to do to make this right? And you know that you can't, right? You... You, you don't know what He has for you after all your sins, after all your doubts, after all your denials. You think that He's finished with you. And the reality is that He's saying to you, yes, even to you, come and die. I have more than enough. More than enough grace. More than enough mercy. More than enough love for you. Come. And dine. He doesn't leave you there though. He doesn't say to you come and dine. And that is enough. He says come, come and dine. And now follow me. Go forward from here. Put that behind you. That's done away with. That has been covered by my grace. By my blood. You are clothed in my righteousness. Come and dine. And now follow me. Come to Jesus. He will handle it. Come to Jesus. Turn from that sin. Cast yourself upon Him because He will not cast off any who come to Him. Did He shame Peter? No, He didn't do, he didn't do what we do with our children. How many times do I have to tell you? How many times do I have to say, don't do that? No, He's gracious and merciful. And compassionate. He didn't shame him. He restored him. He simply says follow me. And so the question for us is, is this. Not 
Not did you at some point follow him and now you are walking in sin. The question is not is at some point in the past did you believe. The question is right here, right now, going forward. Do I want to cast myself to Jesus? He's calling. It's the Lord right there saying, come unto me. Do you cast yourself upon him? As Peter cast himself into the sea, he, he says to you, love me. And his love hasn't failed. He says to you, follow me. His full call is going forward. Not from where you are now or where you've been, but where he's taking you. Repent. Follow me, he says. And so then as Jesus comes to these disciples, he comes in a demonstration of love. In a demonstration of grace. In a demonstration that His mercy far outweighs your sin. And He says to you this morning, if you have ears to hear and you have a mouth to taste that He is good, come and dine. Come and dine. Come and dine. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we give